0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we are going to be talking about the full moon in the second decade of Cancer. We're going to be talking a little bit about the astrology of 2023 and whatever comes up in our uh, in our brains today. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend, Adam Ellenbos of Nightlight Astrology. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Spencer. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is super fun. Thanks again for joining me. This is This is super exciting. If you're not familiar with uh, Adam's work, you should check him out. Nightlight Astrology, some really great stuff over there. Um, Adam, do you want to just, for those who don't know your work, do you want to introduce yourself real quick and tell us where you're from and what you do and everything, Adam?
1: Well, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, So, yeah, I'm an astrologer just like you, Spencer, and um, I uh, teach and practice kind of a blend of Hellenistic and modern astrology. And um, I've been a professional astrologer for this will this will be going on my 13th year and um, yeah I create you know daily content year round on on YouTube about whatever's going on in the sky and uh, teach classes and see clients and um, yeah I'm just uh, love astrology I have been uh, you know into it for a long time and am really glad to be still doing it I feel like I'm just—I just feel really, really fortunate to be doing something I love, which not everyone can say. So, yeah, I'm just uh, love astrology and have been doing it for a while.
0: Nice, yeah. And I was—I went through your wonderful programs at Nightlight Astrology, and just really in in a lot of debt to you for uh, for teaching me the ropes with this traditional astrology thing and kind of introducing me to a lot of new new concepts. Um, so you have some pretty extensive programs that you do and you do a yearly Kickstarter to, to raise money for that and offer a discount, correct?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's a, I offer like four years worth of major curriculum. And then I have two other programs that are, um, sort of like supplemental programs. Uh, the there's a first year and second year course in Hellenistic astrology that I offer. And then a horary course, and then sort of like a practicum and practical hands-on course that's called Readings and Passages. And that's a course that's meant to help people further practice all the skills they're learning in the first and second year programs. And uh, yeah, every year at the end of the year, I raise money to support my YouTube channel. I do a Kickstarter, and we have all of the um, training programs that I offer are 50% off. If you bundle them together, they go, the savings goes up, you get even a better deal. So yeah, it's like a big sale we run at the end of the year for all the programs that's going on until New Year's Eve at midnight. So a couple more days if people want to jump on with it.
0: Nice. Nice. I've pinned a link to that, to the beginning of the chat here. And our lovely uh, moderator Remco has posted that again. So support Adam's work, really great stuff. Um, Learned a ton working with him. We've been doing some astrology of sports recently too, which is super fun. On over on Adam's Nightlight channel, so check that out too. We get together with uh, this other astrologer named Kip, and we talk sports and do horaries and cast some cards every once in a while. We've been we've been uh, trying to mash up the um, the tarot and the horary lately, haven't we, bud?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty fun. We've been. Looking at our teams and, or at least I've been doing horaries for the Vikings and Spencer's been helping me look at the outcomes of the games from the standpoint of the tarot alongside of the horary, which has been actually really, really, um, yeah, it's been really insightful and interesting and, and really just a fun way to learn more about tarot for me.
0: Yeah. Well, our friendship's going to be tested this weekend. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as the uh, the Vikings, Adam's uh, childhood team, and the Packers, m- my childhood team, are squaring off in a, in a game that we didn't think was going to matter uh, at this point. Yeah. But yeah. it actually does now, so
1: we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I, see honestly, my, uh, my fan is like, I want to win, but I, I really think in Lambeau with your team playing to get into the playoffs, and us already having clinched, I think we're going to lose this one. I really do. I don't. I don't think we're going to pull it off. I think Rogers in in Lambo. I think he's got it. But it's, we'll yeah, see. It's, it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun New Year's Day game.
0: Totally, totally. And uh, the horary was looking pretty pretty packery and uh, yeah, whatnot yeah, as definitely. well. So, so check that out. I'm sure we'll be posting about that in our various stories on Instagram. That's another thing. Follow follow Adam on Instagram, Nightlight Astrology. Uh, follow my Instagram. Uh, Spencer Michaud with, with no astrology at the end of it. I post a lot of stuff on there as well. Um, Adam, anything else coming up that you want to, you want to shout out to, to the folks here today? Oh, no. I mean,
1: if you're interested in what I'm up to my websites, nightlightastrology.com, you can look at all the courses there, the link to the Kickstarter is there. All of the rewards that we offer through the Kickstarter include like all of my different programs. We have some new classes starting in January and February. You can check out on the, under the course tab. So, you know, um. Just, yeah, check out the website. Everything's there. If you have any questions, you can email info at nightlightastrology.com.
0: And uh, I will say, friend, you're looking quite swole today. And uh, (laughs) if you want some of Adam's workout videos, you need to follow him on Instagram because he'll be pumping iron all winter and you can get inspired (laughs) from his journey. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: been like uh, the past... You know, it's funny, it's like as soon as Jupiter went into Aries, I started putting on, I had been working out for almost a year when Jupiter went into Aries, like five days a week, like really regularly. And um, uh, Jupiter went into Aries and I finally started making what felt like significant gains, like transformation that I, I had hoped I would make. And it was just really funny. I was like, well, that's so funny. Of course, Jupiter would go into Aries and I would start to see myself developing some muscle, which that was kind of my goal. You know, it hadn't happened for like a long time until that transit took place. I thought that was kind of crazy. But interesting, when Jupiter backed out, you know, of uh, Aries and went back into Pisces, my family right around that time went to Disney World. Um, (laughs) It was like such a funny transition. And I just got like... Bloated and fat because we just it was like, I'm just joking. Like, but then we came back from Disney World and it really took me, you know, getting back on track with my diet, losing a little bit of weight that I put on from just eating like crap for like, we were there for like seven days. And then it was just funny because I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm hitting my stride again. And I was like, oh, of course, Jupiter's just entered Aries again. Isn't that there funny? Go.
0: There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all in the stars, my friend. Oh, it was I'm hoping that my Jupiter in Aries journey is that. My body will just stop being super sore every day <laughs> from sitting too much. I'm at, a, I'm at a little bit of a different stage of development right now. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Um, okay. So, friends, um, follow everybody on Instagram. Check them out <laughs> on Nightlight Astrology. Support that Kickstarter. Uh, just a little business before we get rolling here. I do have a sale on my Capricorn Deccans webinar um, 20% off of that for Capricorn season. You can find that in the store on my website. Remco has been kind enough to post a link to that. Um, make sure you, you like the video, subscribe to both Adam's channel and my own here so we can get the algorithm, please, the algorithmic gods that we're going to probably, you know, see more of with Pluto and Aquarius very soon. And um, yeah, just... Uh, shouting a few people out here adam before we dive right into it and i'll do that quickly we're we're on a little bit of the clock today friends so i'll try to get to some comments but i won't be able to get everything but i appreciate you being in here put those questions in the in the chat box if you can just shouting out some friends here Devin is here from portland kp is here from cleveland marta is joining us from carolina oh this is carolina from marth from barcelona Barth- spain welcome friend We've got Creating Harmony coming in from South Louisiana. Lynn is joining us from Vermont. Uh, MM Angel is here from Maryland. Remco is, of course, doing moderation work from the Netherlands. This is so much fun. Susanna is joining us from Finland. Kate is here today. Uh, Fionn is here from Ireland. Devin is joining us from Portland. Tracy's here. Good to see all of you friends. Janet Goodspeed, my good friend Janet Goodspeed. Adam, you should check out Janet Goodspeed. Uh, they make these really beautiful um, tarot inspired jewelry type of oh, things. Oh, that's cool. She's really great. Yeah. Um, so, yes, thank you, friends. And uh, Sh- Sherry is here from Chico, which I-, I told her in the last live that I think Chico's where Aaron Rodgers is from. So, we've got, you know, the two degrees of separation. From <laughs> Aaron Rodgers here, six degrees. Okay. So, Adam. You and I both are pretty, we are familiar with this axis, this axis of evil, uh, Cancer and Capricorn <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, tell me some big picture thoughts about the, 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 some of the themes that we may be trying to balance with Cancer and Capricorn with this full moon that we're going to be experiencing on January the 6th, 2023, 16 degrees of Cancer. Um, what are we trying to balance out during this period of time?
1: Yeah, well, um, what I I like to notice, you know, with moon cycles, like what's happening right around the important moment, whether it's a, like a new moon or a full moon. So like, let's say in this case, it's the full moon in Cancer. Um, what's happening right around it? Well, because we could look back at the new moon in Capricorn too, but let's just for let's let's just stick with what's happening right around the, the full moon and just after the full moon comes through, you you basically have Mars sitting down and stopping, and then turning direct. Um, and to me, the the full moon is therefore about, in some ways, it's about that turning point of Mars going direct after the long retrograde that's taken place since about Halloween. Um, so I I feel like. It, you know, obviously, it's going to be different from person to person. But when I one big theme that I would look at would be a sense of cle- like mental. Let's say it's mental and emotional health. Let's keep it really simple. If you've been going through a period that has been mentally confusing or frustrating, or there's been, you know, the past couple of months, there's been a lack of clarity or you've been going back and forth in your mind about what you think or believe or what you ought to do or how to approach something. Or you've been, there's a lot of internal debate with Mars retrograde and Gemini potentially on a, on a mental level. What I like about this full moon, it's a strong full moon in its own sign. And the moon was like Mercury also associated with the mind for Mm. ancient astrologers. And so I like the idea of clarity. that that there's a light and that there's a a sense of emotional and mental cohesion and clarity coming about. Um, It'd be nice if we could say that these two planets shared like an antitia at the exact moment or something. They don't, they don't. But um, I just think that it's, it's interesting that you have this moment that, that looks like it could be very lucid emotionally and mentally coming. And then right after you have in the next week, you have Mars turning direct
0: right. in
1: a sign Mercury sign also has to do with the mind. So for example, um, I had a client, uh, recently a cancer rising client, and I sort of included this in my horoscopes of the month. I, I kind of, um, took something of their story and plugged it into the way I talked about this full moon. They're going through a period of, um, they're working with a therapist trying to come to clarity about what to do with a troubled family member. Mm. So it's like, they don't, you know, it's like, what what do I do? How do I act? What's my role Uh, with a family member? That's going through some really deep, dark stuff. Yeah. Um, It would not be surprising to me. And I told this client, I bet this full moon in early January with Mars turning direct in what would, would be her 12th house mm. could bring some of that clarity, or at least the beginning of a sense of closure and resolution. I know what I feel. I know what I think. Maybe I have a strategy or an approach for what to do about this complicated situation in my family. So that's just a, a an example, but I, I wonder about like lucidity and sort of, if there's been mental turmoil, emotional turmoil and confusion, or lack of clarity that we start to see that dissipate after this full moon.
0: Mm. yeah and i think that it's interesting that it's a family issue that's coming to a head too right with where sometimes we associate domestic situations with cancer and maybe more more not necessarily public but more things with more about work more about like the the grind the saturnian bone and stone i guess you could call it versus the the softness of cancer so kind of trying to i don't know maybe potentially harmonize or or even hold that paradox. That was one thing I really liked in your class. Um, and in your, on your channel is talking about with ob- oppositions, not necessarily having to find the answer to it. Right. But being able to hold the, the, the duality, right.
1: Yeah. Um, I, right. It's uh, like, for example, across the Capricorn cancer axis, you have what was described and you and I have talked about this a lot before, but, um, you have what was described as the gateway of the gods Mm -hmm. in Capricorn and the gateway of man or mankind in cancer. And so you have the idea of transcendence and death, you know, like leaving the body to transmigrate, you know, whatever different traditions have conceptualized that obviously, but then you have cancer, which is really about embodying and coming Mm -hmm. into the world through a mother, through a womb, through a pair, through a family or something like that. Um, So you know, embodiment and being here in this world and this world as a, a, a divine gift or something like that is very Cancerian. It's very Jupiter exalted in cancer. Mm-hmm. But the idea of transcendence, climb to the top of the spiritual mountain, cross the far shore, there's a lot of distant, remote, uh, you know, like kind of ascensional stuff going on in Capricorn as the light starts to rise again from the dark and all of that. So really what uh, I think we tend to see, for example, is people who hate religion will be like, well, it's because I want to be in this world. Mm. And people who are religious fundamentalists or fanatics will say, this world is a big problem. We need to set our, our sights on salvation. And so the point of holding the tension of the opposites is to say, well, really, there's a, there's a way in which we need both understandings as we live a human life we need to be able to keep something transcendent in mind but not to the extent that we forget what it means to be embodied Mm -hmm. so how do i hold the, the reality of that tension because what we tend to do is we tend to try to collapse into either side of it and i as someone who was born with the cancer capricorn full moon across that axis pluto just went across my moon and then opposed the sun and that's basically exactly what I went through with my own, you know, religious programming. So yeah. I, I feel like, um, yeah, that, that access being active this month from new moon to full moon, there's that tension may be also present in some way uh, within whatever dynamics are playing out in some other mundane sphere, like work or relationships or whatever.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've been really, it's been really interesting to watch your journey too. Over the and you know you and I have known each other now for I don't know what's going on maybe four years five years four, now yeah something like that four or five years and um, yeah it's it's just really fascinating to see like how you've been able to engage with your process and like almost come full circle on some level mm-hmm. which is it, there is a cyclical nature to it which I, you know as astrologers I guess we're we're studying cycles and coming to terms with all of that you know you, what you were talking about sort of brings up something that I was. You know, I've been watching this show on HBO recently. you Are familiar with um, His Dark Materials and the Golden Compass series? Oh, you know, I've heard of them. I haven't watched them yet, but I kind of want yeah. to. Is it good? It is good. Philip Philip Pullman is the the author. They were books first, and there's been this series on HBO Max, which has been really good. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to totally spoil it for people who haven't watched it yet, but it's very much those themes of, like, a a religious authority and the oppressive nature of it when it becomes excessive. And then like that theme that we're talking about, about religious experience being embodied and more having it be related to more sometimes with natural processes and things like that, like very lunar consciousness on some level. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's also been playing out in this book that I was, I think I sent you a link to this book, but Sophie strand has this book called the flowering wand, which is sort of about making uh, relating masculinity to lunar consciousness and kind of reconnecting spirituality with uh, storm gods rather than sky gods, which I thought was really interesting because storm gods have this kind of cyclical nature. She's comparing myth and religion to uh, the flowering, um, you know, head or phallus of a mushroom that is representative of the mycelium that is in the ground, right? And well, yeah. isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, And each culture is each fruiting body of the mushroom will, will erupt with the right conditions for what is necessary for that particular time and place. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I I thought was really amazing with this is that when mushrooms release their spores, they're actually seeding clouds and that, 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 that cycle of like rain and mushroom and fruiting, I thought, oh, wow, just really, just really good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, yeah, there's something, uh, well, anyway, all I can say is that I'm a number of psychedelic experiences that I had both while on mushrooms, but also, you know, working with other plant medicines like ayahuasca or peyote, um, seemed to me that like that, that the flowering of different forms of culture, religion, uh intellectual currents art all these things that it it could actually help us to understand for example the variety of different religions in a, a way that's similar to the growth and blossoming of plants in nature
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that we rather than thinking one is right or wrong it's almost just like look at what's in the garden you know
0: yeah oh i mean i, I love looking for spiritual metaphors through the natural plant world. And I'm actually really excited. You, you know, one thing you didn't mention is you have a really cool class coming up with your with your wife that I think people should know about. T- talk about that a little more because that's, that's really cool.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I did forget to mention that. So in January, we're starting, uh, there's a class that we're starting called Roots and Spheres. And it's a monthly moon circle that meets before the new and full moons. And we look at the astrology of the month ahead. But we do it um, in collaboration with a plant teacher for every moon cycle that we've picked as a paired energetic match for some of what we think are the big signatures of that moon cycle so we're dieting plants while working through the astrology of every month together in a, in a group um, so that starts just a little bit before the new moon in Aquarius later in January so we're, yeah, we're really excited about that
0: very cool yeah, that seems like a great way to embody the the spiritual into like physical and like kind of connect with those plant messengers and and sort of that mycelial network of meaning as well. So, very cool. <clears throat> um yeah, this is one thing I've found in my life is that when I need to connect with spirit, I just go out into the garden. You know, I go out and I try to get my hands dirty. I try to see the cyclical nature of things and realize that sometimes form will change and the essence of that life will return and that helps me to kind of release attachment i guess to to the form that i'm currently dealing with if i'm if I, if that's part of the process that i need to do of like letting go um, right have you found that with your your connection with your your gardening work and your your nature work is does it help you to release what no longer serves you
1: yeah um it's much more my wife's area than mine like she's an herbalist, double tourist. Like she's always got her hands in the dirt. And um, yeah, I would say, you know, for me, it's, I'm not, it's not, I think probably my the, about 10 years worth of time that I spent really working a lot with ayahuasca was what like in just kind of instilled it in me. And it's just a way that I see and interact with the natural world. But it, it, it's like that part of me that has an easier time almost like a a Taoist department of my psyche tends to get activated when I'm out in nature, which is why I try to take one of the things that's a part of my routine now for the, about the past year is like regular pretty much daily walks. Yeah. Um, And just something about getting out and seeing the different feeling, the different weather and walking in nature. That uh, is where I find that for the most part, my wife much more in the garden.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely a walker myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, I love talking to people when I'm walking too, because it feels like it jogs loose, like different, different brain synapses, you know, with with movement, right? So, and it is great to be able to walk in a similar place throughout the course of uh, the calendar year to see the changes that are happening, which is, Yeah. yeah, totally great. Okay. So what do you say we open this chart up and start kind of breaking it down a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to take this opportunity to say, friends, if you are here, if you are new, uh, please do us a favor. Please like the video. That's the first thing that you can do. Uh, Please subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, If you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I do here, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It is called a super sticker. That helps us keep the lights on here. And of course, Adam has his annual Kickstarter going on right now you have a link that is in the chat here if you want to support the work that he does and potentially get a significant discount on his wonderful programs okay let me take a look at this chart here so we're looking at january the 6th 2023 i'm gonna have to get used to that have you said 2022 yet (laughs) you're like forecast Uh,
1: i have yeah i've yeah. yeah it's like it's still new and it, it feel i feel like it always takes me a couple of weeks before I, n- I don't make the mistake anymore
0: yeah yeah it's definitely a transition period to get used to that numerological shift there but this is january 6 2023 607 pm eastern time um make the pro- appropriate adjustment for your time and place we've been talking about the cancer capricorn axes of course capricorn being the house of saturn um and we were talking about the gates of of the gods and the gates of men, uh, which are places where the ancients thought that souls would come into and out of physical existence, into in the, in the cancer gate and out in the Capricorn gate. Um, and we are seeing the sun very close to Mercury, a retrograde Mercury at the beginning of the year here at 16 degrees of Capricorn. We're gonna have the Kazemi of Mercury shortly after so that's going to be taking place about a day after the full moon we have mars turning direct as we speak uh, it, it's going to be turning direct within a week of this full moon that we like we discussed earlier and we have a sextile to uranus here like a a, a little bit of a sextile here to uranus um, Devin in the chat was pointing out, we have a few fixed stars that are kind of at play here too. He was talking about the fixed star Vega, which is related to the, the, uh, the instrument of Orpheus, talking about how that might potentially be, um, if we bring that myth in, staying focused on our goals and, and not looking back and things of that nature. There's another fixed star here that I wanted to kind of highlight. There's one called Rukbat. Uh, which is like the knee or the foot of the centaur in Sagittarius, which is at 16 degrees of Capricorn. And that is the, the. Uh, it's talking about stability of the archer. So similar themes where we're having to stay focused on a goal. And then we have the, the moon at 16 degrees of Cancer, which is fairly close to the fixed star Canopus, which is the, who was the navigator of the Argo, the great ship where we're kind of going off into the unknown. So I feel like there might be some themes also, Adam, of like, trying to stay stable as we explore into the unknown as well, as we try to make a new start in this 2023 energy, especially with Jupiter moving into Aries and all this like initiatory energy. Right.
1: Yeah. um, I'm interested in the fact that um, it's, I think we're going to get to this in a little bit, but it's a January is just such a big month for Venus Yeah. Um, There's just so much going on uh, from Venus trining Mars right as Mars turns direct to a little bit of a malefic enclosure period that you mentioned or that you pointed out and that we sort of confirmed before we started today. And then um, Venus squaring Uranus. I wonder if Venus squaring Uranus might not break up the enclosure, even though it's an outer planet, just because if there's any planet that would break up something called an enclosure, it might be Uranus, you <laughs> sure, know? Sure. So I wonder about that a little bit, but then it does end up conjoining Saturn. Venus does right around the new moon in Aquarius later in the month. And then right after that, it goes into its exaltation in, in yeah. Pisces. So it's just like such a topsy, it's just such a um, twisty, tur. you know, topsy-turvy um, ride for Venus this month. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I feel like that, is on my mind with this moon cycle and the fact that the month starts off right after or right before the full moon, I should say on the 6th, we're also getting a a pretty big conjunction uh, over this weekend and around the 1st of January of Venus and Pluto. Um, So it's just like, there's so much going on for Venus too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the connection with the Lord of the underworld bringing up maybe that, which has been repressed or hidden, Uh, And then (laughs) Venus will go into Aquarius sort of in out outside the castle walls into the frontier, basically saying, uh, screw this. I'm not going to be part of this corrupt system type of thing. Let's go off into let's ascend like Ganymede into Olympus or something like that. Right. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like, uh, you know, the malefic enclosure thing, that was something that I was talking about a little bit in the astrology of January that I, had some questions about and people were asking me that, that can an outer planet break up a malefic enclosure and that was something that i was still i was a little bit on the fence about right because we look at usually look at malefic enclosures with traditional planets but um you know in class you were talking about some major outer planets potentially breaking up a natal malefic enclosure in in my own particular chart that actually did play out so i think that it's really interesting to see how that might be playing out uh, as well and for those of you who aren't familiar let me just give you a little insight into what we're talking about here venus is at four degrees of aquarius in this chart it's going to be making a trine with mars as it's turning direct at about nine degrees of aquarius on january the 9th as it does that it's going to be applying to a conjunction with saturn so The the issue is, is that one of the rays of a malefic is going to be on one side of Venus, and then Saturn is going to be on the other side of Venus via the conjunction application. And what we're seeing is that no no other planet is really interceding, no traditional planet besides the Moon is interceding to break it up, which would be something that would break up that energy. So again, we're probably having a difficult Venus-Pluto moment at the what the end of this month right december adam is that when that perfects over the weekend yeah okay and then, then we're talking
1: about the v- venus pluto conjunction right 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 yeah that's over the weekend
0: and then venus will move into aquarius kind of you know maybe through disappointment maybe through a conflict or a defeat i mean we've got that card the five of swords that is con it's called conflict and defeat which that that in of aquarius is really about Having a sort of a disgust with the system enough that you're just like, all right, I'm done. I'm not even going to participate in this game anymore type Mm. of thing, which is sort of how I feel about fancy football at this point. (laughs) 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 For those of you who aren't hip to where we're at in our league, I'm currently in last place. I was out of the playoffs and um most of my draft picks haven't really panned out as, a, <laughs> as I hoped that they would. Um, of course, Adam is still he's still I, he, you're still in the points lead. Um, so eliminated
1: from playoff contention, but still in, in points lead.
0: Okay, okay. Is that like a consolation prize or something like the points leader? Well, <laughs> so in a
1: no, in a points league, points leader is the champion of the league. You have okay. a, a playoff cup to keep you know it's like a it's kind of like a runner-up prize that anyone could still win even if it's pretty much impossible to win points so that you keep people involved you know
0: okay okay yeah so you're like that that grifting deal of like justin fields like uh (laughs) you don't get you a plan this week
1: (laughs) like i think so he's playing detroit i feel like we're gonna yeah, I like we're gonna see what happens. <laughs> so, I'll just I'll
0: just mess with you, man. <laughs> Fancy football, if for those of you who haven't watched the 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 show The League, uh you'll find a, a lot of humor in that and a lot of <laughs> like friendly like chop busting banter that happens through us. And but you know, what do you think about this, Adam? Maybe this is the Venus Pluto conjunction that's coming just the revelation of our characters when we're trying to make trades in fantasy football and like, you know, things of that nature.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's your, your true character comes out when you're having fun. Like I think it's true. I think like, if you want to know who someone is, go and do fun things with them where maybe there's something at stake, like a fun game or playing cards. Like if you want to know who my grandma was play cards with her, that's (sighs) how I will say about her. Cause she was just an, you know, she was a beast. So <laughs> well, what I've
0: learned is that Adam is a ruthless fantasy football player and takes it very seriously. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to be honest, you know, I take it at pretty, I'm pretty intense about it too. And I, I believe that, you know, one of the things that we talked about right after you made that trade, which in, in your defense. In your defense, and I won't belabor this too much longer, Fred. I just, I'm just, i just messing with you, okay? Uh, I believe that it takes two to tango, and you made an offer, and it was accepted. And I believe my first uh, thing that I said to my partner was, I hope that Justin Fields tears his fucking ACL. <laughs> like, right <laughs> after. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my first reaction after that trade went down, um, which revealed <laughs> something about my character, I think. That's funny. <laughs> so... so. <laughs> I'm sorry, friends, we're going on this digression rabbit hole here. Um, But uh, I don't truly wish that someone gets injured, but I think that uh, all is fair in love and fantasy football. Right. All right. So moving forward, maybe that will give you a taste of the Venus Pluto energy (laughs) that is upcoming potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got Venus moving into this malefic enclosure. Why don't you talk a little bit about the conjunction of Mercury and the sun?
1: Um, well, it's interesting because there's a sequence, like a, a, a couple of things happening at once. If you go right to like the day before the full moon, the sun is trining Uranus. Um. So that's really that's really interesting. The sun in Capricorn, trine and Uranus and Taurus. You get the feeling of there being a um anytime that Uranus and the sun get together in a trine, I think it's one of the more exciting. It's a it's a little bit like the universe provides you with a really good caffeine high, no jitters, you still get to go to bed at night, you know. Yeah like, like, and you get really ambitious and sometimes you get a lot of insights. And um, so I just feel like it's a, it generates a lot of enthusiasm. There often comes with breakthroughs and epiphanies and a, a feeling of progress and momentum. And so it's a nice transit, but then the day after you're getting this gut check from the full moon in the opposite sign. So it's almost as though there's something that we want to do or that we're getting very ambitious about trying to mobilize our, our energy toward a goal or something like that. And then the full moon wants to check us in the opposite direction. Like for example, I might get really ambitious about something. And then my wife says, well, we have a family commitment on that day. So you can't go nuts redoing the garage or just, I don't know, something like that. Right. So you just think of the full moon and cancer coming in and providing some kind of emotional reality check or pushback on whatever the sun and Uranus are getting really hyped about. But then what's happening right after that is then you have Mercury going through the Kazemi with the sun and then immediately coming into the trine with Uranus that the sun just went through. Yes. To me, that feels like, okay, here's a breakthrough followed by some kind of reality check or pushback followed by compromise and another uh another moment of breakthrough so when i when i look at that i would describe it as a a little bit of a process there there's very supportive practical um you know energy with these earth signs and the feeling of forward movement and excitement it's checked by the full moon but then immediately reactivated by the Kazemi of Mercury at the heart of the sun, followed by Mercury trine Uranus. Okay. So let me just tell a story. I want to put up some new storage racks in the garage. I'm so excited. I can't wait to do it. I'm going to make this as mundane as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can't because your daughter has a piano recital on Saturday and that will shoot. That was my only day I could do it. And damn it. I really want to do this thing, you know? Yeah. Well, You know, so then wife says, well, you know, Sunday we were supposed to go and do this other thing, but I could change the plans around and then you'd have Sunday to do it. It's a really stupid mundane example, but that would perfectly mirror an excited uh, sun Uranus trine followed by the gut check of a full moon in cancer followed by the Mercury and trine to Uranus again okay, we've come up with a way of getting it done after all. But temporarily, there was a sense that, sorry, you can't do this thing you're really excited to do. Yeah, So a little bit of a back and forth there that's pretty intense, but looks to me like, um, sometimes you need that feedback too. Like, well, here's something I'm excited to do. Well, here's some feedback for you about what you're about to do. And then it's like, okay, well, let me adjust a little bit. So I think it's something like that.
0: Yeah, definitely kind of like a a shakeup, right? Where you... You thought you were going to do something one way and then it's like nope here's some more information before you're ready to really go forward i believe you did you, did you talk about this in your channel with with merc um, i'm sorry with jupiter uh being hosted by a retrograde mars was that kind of the the direction you were going with that too about wanting to to expand but having some more details be in place there
1: you know i didn't go down the path of because oh, okay so for i did a video today and it was called why am i not note why or what did I call it something like let me just look it was something like why isn't Jupiter and Aries working (laughs) (laughs) you know like like, uh, hey I thought this was supposed to be a thing where Jupiter and Aries I called it why hasn't Jupiter and Aries shown up yet because I kept getting messages from people being like I thought there'd be you know this was supposed to be such an explosive transit well the obvious answer is that well the ruling planet Mars is retrograde and so let's wait and see what happens when Mars turns direct I think that's totally legitimate but I actually went down a different pathway because I knew I was talking to you today Okay. And I was like, well, you know, um, I need to like start getting into the Deccans more, especially because yeah. you've just been illuminating my uh horary practice with tarot lately. And I've really liked how you've talked about the deccans and some of our conversations related to the tarot in relation to the horaries that I've done. So I was like, you know. I have a feeling that if we look at Aries one versus Aries two versus Aries three, which I did in that video through Austin Coppock's 36 faces. Book, nice.
0: Nice. I
1: have a feeling that you're going to see, well, first of all, we've basically been hanging out in Aries one the whole time Jupiter's been in Aries going back to last May. Right. And so, you know, I just thought, well, let's see what that deccan's about. So I was doing my research and I was like, that is kind of like a baby step compared to the kind of individuation and growth and firepower that you see in the second and third decans of Aries as I was reading this. And that was like, let's go down that path. And, you know, um, I'll I'll try my hand at talking about the decans, even though, as you know, it's not, it's not my expertise, but this is great. Yeah. So I just thought, well, look, look at what's happening. Once you get from February, late February through May, Jupiter in in the second and third decans, also has a lot more aspects like between now and the end of February, Jupiter and Aries really isn't making many aspects to other planets. And at the beginning, it's obviously hosted by a retrograde Mars. Right. Once it hits the second decan late in February, but really the third decan, because the third decan launches with the synodic
0: cycle reboot
1: of the sun. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Jupiter's Kazemi and it's hitting into that third decan. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as it goes down those final degrees, you've got Mars and cancer, coming into a square with it and they both end up all changing signs and creating a T square with Pluto and, and Mars all together, yeah. And that's kind of like the grand finale of the third decan of Aries. So I was like, I bet that when we think back on Jupiter and Aries, some of the most memorable moments are probably going to be like late February through May of 2023, because that's when we're getting a, a lot of the firepower of, of the second and third decans. So I don't know. What do you think of that?
0: I love this, man. I love that you're starting to bring in the Deccans. That's so exciting because we're gonna have (laughs) inspired
1: by inspired by you, my friend.
0: Yeah. Well, it's gonna give us so much more to talk about. (laughs) So it's really it's exciting. Nice. Um, Yeah. And just on that note, before I forget, uh, I'm gonna be joining your speaker series. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. So I'm gonna be talking about this topic in a little bit more depth on the at the Nightlight. Um, astrology speaker series, the winter speaker series on February the twelfth of twenty twenty three, where I'm gonna talk about how to incorporate the tarot into your astrological practice and the decans, but also some of the work that like, you know, that talk was inspired a lot with the talk that you you and I have been talking about uh checking our horaries with tarot, checking all our divination with it. So yeah, I think that's gonna be super fun. So put that on your calendars, friend, and Can make sure I- that you join us. Yeah.
1: Can I screen sh- share very yeah, briefly? Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me just show people where they can sign up for your yeah. talk, if that's okay. okay. So nice. <clears throat> let's see. I don't know if I can I do I think it. I
0: have to. I got to make you part host here. Okay. Okay. There we go. Okay. Let's see. Oops.
1: Okay. Here we go. So tell me if you can see it. Can you see it on the screen?
0: Yep. We're good.
1: So if you go to nightlightastrology.com, and up at the top, if you click on events and then speaker series, you'll see the lineup for our winter speaker series. And um, Spencer gives his talk on February 12th at 12 o'clock Eastern time. And the talk is called Stars and Cards. Tarot is as an Astrological Storytelling Device. You can register. It's free to register. And then if you can't make it live, you get a replay link for like a week before we give the audio video back to Spencer.
0: Nice. Nice. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I I went through a pretty epic journey with the Deccans doing those webinars that I've been talking about on this channel. Like that was, there was just a lot of different sources that I brought in different lenses that I would look at those through. And it it's really just enhanced my practice quite a bit, you know? And um, I think that the tarot, as far as a visual device can Um, If you're doing readings for yourself or you're doing readings for other people, you can really see the stories playing out in the cards. And, and, you know, that's a good segue, because look at the, the two cards that we're dealing with, with the full moon. We haven't really talked about that yet. We've got the three of pentacles for the sun in Capricorn Two, the second decan. And we have the three of cups for the moon in Cancer, Two. And to me, what's standing out about these two cards is they're both a gathering of individuals. But for very different purposes, you know. In this three of Pentacles, we have a group of people that are coming together to build a very ornate structure. They're coming together to work really hard. We've got the exaltation of Mars, right in this in this area of the zodiac. Whereas in the three of Cups, we have uh, the exaltation of Jupiter and a very celebratory kind of like uh, you know, think of like Fourth of July barbecues and things like that, where we're just getting together to to celebrate. So I, I feel like we have this, this tension between gathering together to work on some ornate, very ambitious project, and then celebrating the need to celebrate our achievements too. This is one thing, I want to get your thoughts on this, because this is something I've been struggling with a lot lately is that, um, you know, I've observed your work ethic, and I feel, you know, you're a Capricorn moon. So I want to hear your the difference between the Capricorn moon and the Cancer moon energy um, I have the sun in this decan. You have the moon in this decan of Capricorn, right? I have the sun in, in Cancer 2 and you have the moon in Capricorn 2. How do you set um, both milestones and how do you um, appreciate the, the work that you've done so that you can stay motivated to keep going on what feels some somewhat like the grind sometimes you know what i'm you know what i'm getting at here yeah yeah totally yeah um so
1: ask me ask for the question one more time just so i make sure i understand it
0: i'm i what i've been feeling is that you know there's this process that we're going through as astrologers the astrology never stops right it is always going so how do we as astrologers but also how does the audience both celebrate their achievements while also planning for the future, right? How do we not get into this just like, we're just grinding away and we don't come up for air? Because I feel like that might be one of the things we're looking at is, how do we actually acknowledge how far we've come, not o- not only where we're going to be going and what we're gonna be planning, how do you celebrate your um, the milestones in your life?
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good question, I mean, um, it might be a a cop out to say this but be, i i would say that like i have some very specific though they're they're flexible plans about when i want to retire for example and what i want to do after i retire and to me i think when i think about my career in terms of like the 20,000 foot view and the long haul of it i think if i live long enough, you know, every, everything else goes well, it's all out of my control, but if everything else goes according to plan, then, you know, I see the celebration of the career as a, as a whole, in terms of like travel and writing and time with kids or grandkids, and that I wanna be able to do maybe at a little earlier age, you know? So like putting in the work now with those goals in mind for me is like the macro of my career. But yeah. then when it comes to like micro milestones, you know, like, um, I think one of them happened a few years ago when it was like, okay, I can't see four clients a day. You know, I have to, so like getting to a point where I'm like, I'm really proud of something I'm ach- I've achieved, but I realized that like, it's, I, it would be draining my energy to keep working as hard as I am. So how can I kind of cut back? Like hiring some help a couple of years ago, cutting back how many readings I was doing, to me, those were ways of acknowledging like, okay, I've, I've kind of put, punched my card. I feel really good about what I've learned and what I've achieved. And now I need to create a little bit more room or space for myself. And I feel like for me, it's not like, I don't know, you could to celebrate something, you could market with an event. But for me, it's just creating space after you've achieved something so that you can integrate and receive the gifts of what you've done. Yeah. Um, so for example, next week after the Kickstarter is over, no clients, no classes, no content you know, no, nothing. And that week, you know, I really don't have any plans. It's not like, okay, well now that the week is empty, I'll get to work on the thing in the garage. (laughs) Like I was saying earlier, I'm not going to, I hope to just, I'm reading a Stephen King novel. I can't wait to just sit down and read, you know? So I think like occasionally for me, it's also about taking deliberate spaces of absolutely doing nothing. And in those spaces, if I think about the three of cups, for example, yeah. As kind of Cancerian compared to Capricornian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what tends to happen for me in those spaces is that there's a celebratory, I would call it like a reflectiveness, mm-hmm. kind of like you know, um, with you, you have a, a kid who's grown now, right? But when yeah. you when you're sitting on the couch and and af- maybe after Christmas or something, and you're seeing them play and they're happy, and you're just kind of re- reflecting and enjoying what's been created. And for me, that tends to be how it goes. Like if I take some of a vacation time, a couple of times a year, I can tell it's cancerian because usually I'm around water. Yeah. <laughs> like I need, yeah. I love being around water and I love just like laying or resting and like watching my kids play or just having casual fun conversations with my wife that I never get to have. Or so I, I feel like I'm less like, let's okay. We're going to go out and commemorate this and do some big thing. I'm more like, But in those spaces, a lot of creative things start to percolate. Like I, I got ideas for several series that I ended up doing over the summer and stuff like that by being on vacation uh, in the springtime. You know, it was also really interesting because um, it was Pluto finishing up its opposition to my son when I went on vacation most recently to celebrate my mom's retirement. So Pluto in Capricorn opposing Sun in Cancer, and I'm celebrating my mom's retirement. And that was so instrumental for me in starting to because I I love my mom, but she is like right into staying busy in retirement, you know, and I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I love my mom, but it's like, I'm not going to stay busy like she's doing. Um, And I just I noticed her having a hard time on a vacation meant to celebrate her retirement to actually like relax.
0: That's man let me unpack that cuz there's a lot of wisdom coming out of there and a lot of thoughts arising within me in reflection um first of all i will say enjoy that time of watching your little ones like enjoy christmas time and wanting to like just spend time with you <laughs> cuz right. sometimes when they get older they're like i'm going to go hang out with my boyfriend and i'll see you later yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know so i'm at that phase now where you know, you know and, and I understand, like young people are, are trying to form bonded relationships that aren't with their parents. So we, we do have to appreciate the moment and the stage that we're, we're in, for sure. Um, and yes, I, I, I love what you're speaking to about being able to create space for new inspiration to come in. You know, full disclosure, I tried to take a week off, like I literally tried to take this week off. And I had two live streams and people booked like what you were saying about you can't do four readings. Well, for some reason, I didn't have some kind of like uh, setting on my booking thing. And someone actually did that. There was four readings in one day and two the next day. So I have like six readings in two days that I'm basically working on this week so that I don't screw myself over next week. So I didn't I didn't get that rest. Yeah. but but I think that it's important, like you're saying, to create that space for yourself, to be able to to reflect upon and think. Cancer is very reflective, right? It's reflecting upon like what are we doing here? What do, what brings us joy? It's the it's the moon, right? Um, and you know, this is something that's really fascinating about your version of cancer, or your decan with the the third decan of of cancer versus the one that my son's in, the second decan yours is called the overflowing cup and what is interesting is that it's that liminal space before um where you might feel a sense of boredom or or ennui before a big breakthrough so Mm -hmm. i I thought it's really fascinating to see that you're like you have to pull back empty that cup out before like the new inspiration comes in i mean that's that's just a really beautiful expression of that of that and and i want to say too friend i'm really i really am I really appreciate your journey because you and I hung out at a astrology conference a few years ago and I watched you work, work your butt off through a kidney stone, (laughs) like like, just like, (laughs) I feel like I'm going to die. And you're like, I got to go give this talk and write these horoscopes, And, um, I've noticed that, you know, I feel like you're striking that balance with like, you know family and presence and like things like that at least at least from the outsider's perspective and and taking care of your yourself and your body and like those of things can you just speak a little bit more about that transition and that journey because i think it's really powerful what you've been going through yeah
1: um well thanks i mean yeah it feels good uh to have someone acknowledge you know and, and see that uh, I think a lot of people who watch my channel regularly have noticed that too. And I've, I've received a lot of really nice comments about some of the you know, like observations of growth that they've seen in me. And so um, yeah, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I think um, the ca- the cancer Capricorn axis that we're talking about today, you know, I just, I, I live that every day because that's my full, full moon across that axis. And I think that there's um it's what I'm realizing is that when the sun in Cancer in the third house, a lot of I recognize what this, what my sun in Cancer in the third house sort of wants, if I had to put it that way, um, is to ab- abide in familiar little eddies and patterns of daily life. Yeah, and to do so with a kind of devotion and um, like emotional closeness to the people and things that I do. And that really resembles a lot of my life. Like I'm a very, like, I swim in the same pond every morning. I do, you know, I do all the same things over and over, but they're not. um, Okay. So then you have to know, imagine that that is disposed by the Capricorn debilitated Capricorn moon in the ninth house. It's like in the past year, as the Pluto has been opposing that sun it's kind of like, I've been realizing how easy it is for the moon to try to strong arm and hijack what the sun is trying to do. Sure. And it, and it does so by um, trying to make things more austere and serious and pulling them back into like doctrines and beliefs. And, and not that there's a problem with any of those things, but I think my cancer son in the third house is trying to figure out what it means to exist in the sublunary sphere without, Mm. you know, without constant reference to some kind of overarching principle or teaching or conviction or belief, Mm. uh, strong arming every single day and experience and how to do that while still, you know, having a ninth house moon that is inclined toward religion and philosophy and all those kinds of things. Um, And that's just been... So I think in in one way, it's like it's not trying to get rid of my Capricorn moon as much as it's been just like turning down the volume on it. Yeah. Surprisingly, one of the most helpful things for me has been shifting my discipline from spiritual things to more physical things. Mm-hmm. Like I really have been enjoying kind of like I still meditate and pray and all of that. And you know, yeah. and, and there's a, a definite like contemplative mood to the way that I am as a person, but taking that kind of more austere quality and plugging it into like running and lifting weights and sports and things that are just a little bit more worldly. And like, for me that they're more fun, you know what I mean? Like I have fun at the gym and it it seems like my Capricorn moon is like happy, like, okay, we did something fucking serious today, you know, (laughs) right? right. lifted some heavy iron, you know, and and, and then it'll, it'll sort of shut up and leave me alone with things that I I really need to be a lot softer with, like my astrology or my kids or, you know what I mean?
0: I do. And I think that, I think your relationship, your and I relationship has gotten closer since that, like, has since that transition has happened. And I think that you're speaking towards my Taurus moon now of like being, like, oh, let's be embodied. Let's have fun. Oh, that's not, <laughs> yes. let not My wife serious. too is the Taurus yeah.
1: moon. So I've gotten yeah. closer to her too, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, it's, it's really been a beautiful thing and I really value our friendship and I, I have a lot of fun chatting with you and I like, I like this new Adam. I like this. <laughs> more relaxed, chill guy. Cause you still have a lot to offer people spiritually as well. And I think that finding the right balance between those two parts of your life does not diminish that spiritual gift that you're giving to the world as well.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, growing up the son of a preacher, it's just taken me a while to realize that I am not a preacher, nor do I really want to be. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an astrologer. And if that if in just being myself and in being an astrologer and being someone who has spiritual inclinations that could be inspiring to other people or helpful, then that's good. But I, I feel like, yeah, it was just uh, stripping back um, a persona and a role that I was getting identified with archetypally that I sort of thought I had to. Yeah. And I realized I just didn't really want to. And that was uh, about as big a revelation as I've ever had. Honestly.
0: There's, There's beauty in that authenticity, isn't there?
1: I mean, it's, it's uh, the truth will set you free, that whole L- thing.
0: Liberation, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's, very, it's interesting that the transit that I would correlate with this almost more than Pluto hitting that Cancer-Capricorn axis is also Uranus uh, squaring my natal Venus while yeah. Saturn's been opposing it. So that has me really interested in the astrology of January because you have Venus squaring Uranus um, once more. And every time that happens, those tend to coincide with some pretty big leaps for me
0: well i'll i'll we'll compare notes friend because my moon's yeah. at 15 degrees Taurus, so i'll have venus squaring my, my moon yeah dude, that's a big here. gosh yeah that's that's a big yeah, in angular houses dude like so oh, yeah and i wanted to share just briefly that i like the way that you're talking about how your capricorn moon pulls the um the energy of your third house sun and i wanted to compare that to the 12th house sun that i have with cancer to the to the Taurus moon in the tenth. And what I've experienced is that my desire to for solitude and retreating from from life, to be honest with you, the moon is constantly pulling me into either <laughs> ambition or public life. Even when I'm like, like, I don't want that. I want to just go yeah. lead in my, my office. You know, but it, yeah. it's but sometimes I think like you're saying, accepting the balance point between those two mm. um, I think can really be, you know, help find the right mixture help find peace of mind. And there is definitely a stoic quality to accepting some of the things that your birth chart is asking you to do, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you and I are both, are we both Leo North nodes? Uh, Yeah. So that's another thing where we might be pulled to be a little bit more public than we were comfortable with as young people were you shy as a kid? I was I, I, I was so shy as a kid that times my mom would make me go into a restaurant and like order like a McDonald's or something. I'd be like, nope, I'm not going to talk to somebody that I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, and like to, to do this in front of like a huge crowd of people, that's like a huge change from, I'm, I'm assuming from our, both of our youths on some level.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I think for me, it was probably, um, more like middle school, something like that. I started acting in the, in theater. Nice. Sort of pl- started playing guitar. Of course, you're a um, very talented musician and and have had a much um, uh, more elaborate experience being a public performer, teacher of music and everything like that. But it, it was as though in terms of like, if there's any, I don't necessarily look at the evolutionary view of the nodes, but if I were to, the way that I would understand the north node pulling me in some evolutionary direction would definitely be in terms of the gradual um uh compulsion to put myself out there more than sure. I was comfortable with as a younger person for
0: sure. sure. Yeah. And we don't even have to look at it as the, the way Stephen Forrest does with it's a past life or something, but we could even just look at it from an increase in this life. Yeah. A and, sense you know, of yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Well, I'm looking at a list here. We've gone down <laughs> some different pathways than we were originally planning, but I think that this is good stuff. I think that, you know, being able to share personal experience and connect it with the astrology is something that I really enjoy doing on this channel. And like, just in general to make it, you know, we're, we're astrologers that are living lives and you and I have lived this cancer Capricorn access on some level. And just being able to share how we've gone through these challenges with um, these planetary placements, I think, is is important. Um, one other thing that I wanted to look at. I think we're doing fairly okay with time here. Um, how are you doing with time? You good?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm good up until about two thirty.
0: Okay, so I'm going to take back the hosting thing here for a minute. Uh, so the. Would you like to talk a little bit about the daimons in these decans, or do you want to start talking a little bit about 2023 in the r- remaining time that we have here? Your call. Well, Let's briefly touch on these daimons, because I think that there's there's a little nugget of truth that we can glean from that. We've got the daimon Hygia, the goddess of health and of uh, good health, basically, is in the second decan of Capricorn. And that's opposed by the daimon in the second decan of cancer which is uh hercules okay or the glory of hera so i've been thinking that you know this second decan of capricorn it's very important to take care of your body if you want to achieve something uh ambitious if you want to be able to build your your castle or your ornate structure but also Heracles is, uh, th- that story really fascinates me. And I- I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Heracles reminds me of being tested by the mother because Hercules was basically, you know, given all these labors via Hera, who, who was basically testing his, his hubris and humility. It was a path to humility and he had to go through all these labors. And, he, it's, and I think that there is a test a domestic test or something of that nature that comes up in this deck. Um, what do you think about the being tested as a cancerian by the family?
1: Um, yeah, I mean the relationship between, say, the hero archetype and the mother archetype is um, often one of individuation, and the mother family will test the hero insofar as the hero needs to carry out. Um, various uh, quests or, you know, missions and in successfully accomplishing them, you know, I think often the idea is that the the hero individuates like a second umbilical cord that's being cut on some level. I feel like, um, for example, sun and cancer men, both of us have sun and cancer. One of the things I've noticed in my career is that sun and cancer men will often have a journey that a life journey that's defined by becoming your own person in contrast to what your family gave you or denied you.
0: Mm, That's for sure.
1: Um, You know, and uh, so I think one of the ways of reading that is to understand that the journey of cancer or even a, a cancer full moon is often going to be about the the complicated relationship between, you know, the regressive pull of family that keeps you from individuating mm-hmm. that cannot, that's not just literal family or family members or mother, but it's the regressive pull, for example, to go back to what's familiar or safe rather than to break out of your shell, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and grow up or individuate in, in some way. So it's it, the regressive pull of cancer is a real thing that, You know, whenever cancer is activated in a a transit or whatever, it's like, how am I separating from the womb and doing so in a healthy way? Because what we resist persists. If I try to individuate in a way that is not thoughtful um, and appreciative, then I'm essentially going to only deepen the entanglement that I have with Mm -hmm. that regressive force, Um, a regressive force is one that you have to, uh, like, you know, getting bit on the heel by the crab, you know, it's like, a, it'll come back and bite you if you don't separate in a way that is healthy. For example, a lot of modern secular therapy is rooted in the idea that if you go back and figure out who and exactly how you got messed up as a kid, you know, from your family, that if you can sort through that, that you'll be healthy and whole. But what James Hillman and many archetypal psychologists have noted is that that's not always the best approach to therapy because often what it does is it deepens the sense of resentment and entanglement that people have with the past. And then they start to move through life even more deeply resentful of and hence more entangled with their past. So, yeah. in some ways, to let the past go is not to go back in and sort things out, but to truly just let it go.
0: Yeah, be present. Without
1: without blame or guilt or resentment or anything. But you know, so somewhere between not acknowledging any of the pain of the past and um getting overly wrapped up in it, somewhere there's a middle path. And that tends to be how I think we need to deal with um. What cancer, the gift that cancer gives us is the opportunity to go through a complicated emotional um, path to greater um, individuation.
0: You know, this reminds me of the story of Achilles. Are you familiar with the Achilles myth? Sure. That's like the most Cancerian myth ever. You know, this is something that we, you know, we, our mutual uh, love of Liz Green, I think has taught us through the astrology of fate, right? Yeah. Where that, that's, that's, dynamic between the search for kleos or eternal immortal glory versus the safety of the the womb or the tent or the protection of the mother that may even be like keeping us in that space um, it's just a really fascinating myth to to apply to cancer uh, it, you know and the, basically the gist is do you want to live a short glorious immortal life or do you want to live a long life that is uh you know where you'll be forgotten over time and that's a tough question to answer for a cancerian person you know sun moon rising right yeah if you want to
1: see everyone listening and, and you too spencer if you haven't seen yeah. it, a movie that perfectly embodies this because that goes back to the gateway of the gods versus the gateway of mankind dichotomy right it's like yeah. am i uh here to be one of the many you know, mm-hmm. the moon as the many, the moon is the city, the moon is the village and the people, but also the moon, um, as the, you know, mass, mass graves of, you know, the billions of people who nobody remembers that's the moon too. Um, whereas, you know, Capricorn has that sense of like the, it's the exaltation of Mars, you know, it's the sign of Saturn it's for, it's for feats of glory and and transcendence and so forth. So, you know, you have that same dichotomy. But a movie that I just saw that like embodies this dichotomy perfectly is a movie called The Banshees of Inishirin. Mm. and it is a movie um, that features oh, Colin Farrell and Oh my god, I'm going to forget his name. I'm going to look it up. But anyway, his uh, they 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 are. I'll just give you the premise of the movie because I don't want to give it away. Sure. Um, the Banshees of Innishir okay it is with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell okay so they were together in a movie called In Bruges I don't know if you ever saw that no I haven't um that's another great one with the two of them but they are wonderful actors and they give a great performance in this movie and the, the premise is they live on a little island off the coast of Ireland and one day Colin Farrell goes over to Brendan Gleeson's house as he does every day when they go to the pub together to have a drink because they're best friends and it's a small island. And so they, this is their routine. And suddenly on one day, Brendan Gleeson just tells him that he's not interested in being his friend any longer.
0: Hmm.
1: And the rest of the movie is about Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson dealing with the fact that Brendan Gleeson doesn't want to be friends anymore. Just, on a whim and and sort of unpacking why that is and it really pits the idea of like being common versus being special um and the the two characters like embody this archetypal dyad between being sort of common and moon-like and like select and stand out and sun-like
0: yeah
1: um brilliant movie that perfectly embodies what we're getting into
0: with this full moon It sounds sort of like Goodwill Hunting a little bit, like where, uh, you know, that that scene where Ben Affleck is like, I, I just wish the day would come where I didn't see you show up at this place, you know, yeah. go do something special with your gift type of thing. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that movie yet, but that's definitely a dichotomy that I've really struggled with over the course of my own entire life, like um, just Appreciating the small everyday things versus like having this aspiration towards immortality, which I think is a secret signification of cancer. Really, I mean, I I really do feel like cancers are actually perfectionists because what they want to come out of them is divine. <laughs> like when when what comes out of them isn't divine, they're like, well, that's not as good as the 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 divine oneness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You feel you feel this sometimes? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I I won't labor that movie any longer, but I will just say this, that everything we're talking about is so perfectly embodied by that movie. And it's one of the best movies I've seen in years. So if people are enjoying this, where we've gone in some of this conversation, watch that movie. You won't regret it. It's so, so good. Uh, Give us the title one more time. It's called the Banshees of Inishiran. It's like, I just watched it. I went to the theater and saw it with Sean Nygaard. Nice. And we were unpacking it from an astrological perspective, and then um, I had I watched it with my wife again, and I think we got it on like Amazon Prime, or it's it's you can rent it on Amazon now.
0: Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I think the last movie I watched last night was The Nice Guys with like uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Which... I haven't seen it was not as transcendent as what it sounds like you, you were
1: talking about i like i mean we have watched some really stupid stuff though too like one of my favorites is the the night before the night before i think it's called it's a christmas yeah. movie where seth rogan gets super high on christmas eve nice. i nice. love stupid stupid movies too. i'm
0: telling so. you friend you need to check out letter kenny if you haven't yet that is my favorite show ever right now of like what is it called letter kenny Oh, and it's really about these like this these different groups of people in Canada coming together. It's super super well written. It's very irreverent. It's pretty. It's kind of dirty. Don't watch it with your kids. Uh, but it's very funny and very like intelligently done. But balances out that intelligence with just like I don't know middle school potty humor too. So, nice, so nice. It's uh very highly recommended.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Um. Okay. Let's 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 wrap this thing up. What do you say? Yeah. Let's uh so just very quickly, um, and we won't belabor this point. We're gonna just a couple dates for all of you to remember. The last quarter moon of this cycle is going to happen on the 14th at about 24 degrees of Libra. Just real quick, those are the decans of Capricorn and and Libra that are associated with the fours in the in the tarot. So we have the four of pentacles and the four of swords. So that might be a point in time where you're trying to figure out how you uh, utilize your authoritative power but also how you create um, peace within chaos and the real the the gist of that decan of libra is that the peace comes from within it's not something where you can completely change your external environment it's more that you can change your internal space and then by changing yourself internally Then that peace is going to emanate out from you so that might be something we might be struggling with around this period of time is to create peace in our in the way that we delegate or utilize our authority we have to become innerly unified so that's the 14th and then that'll lead us to the new moon in aquarius uh, one degree aquarius on the 21st of january which is the chinese new year i think i'm gonna have my good friend shu yap from australia gonna be coming on to join me to talk about that Uh, the week of January the 13th. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, Just one last little thing. If you've got a few thoughts about 2023, Adam, what are just the big things that are on your radar for 2023? Huge Venus retrograde
1: um, in July and August because that Venus retrograde in Leo will hit. um, uh, It hits squares to Uranus and Jupiter in Taurus. I feel like that's a pretty exciting one um and then through direct motion it does again so I, I i like venus's retrograde as one of the more i don't know it's it's very exciting i think i'm probably a little bit more excited about it because um i'm a venus and Leo natally, so it should be interesting um
0: i think it's, it'll be in my first house so we'll we'll have to compare angular house venus retrograde notes <laughs>
1: right yeah yeah totally and i think um saturn entering Pisces in March, Pluto entering Aquarius in March. March feels like a really big month. And then followed by the ingress of Jupiter into Taurus, which immediately makes a square to Pluto at the same time Mars enters Leo. Mm -hmm. So there's a T-square between Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto. Um, And that is, uh, wow, I mean, that yeah, I think that's a really intense transit. I think the eclipses again and the transition of the eclipses into Libra and Aries ought to be interesting too
0: yeah yeah i've got that jupiter mars pluto t-square uh in late may highlighted because <laughs> you know we're fixed rising so we're kind of like oh boy this is good. we're gonna be pulled in some different directions here for sure yeah um, that would be interesting you know can you give me like a a, a one or two sentence theme thematic uh energy for both saturn and pisces and pluto and aquarius
1: To the combination or each of them Each individually,
0: each individually.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think for Saturn and Pisces, you know, I go back to the nineties and I think it was right around, around 95, I think 94, 95, somewhere in there. That was the, one of the peaks of, of like the 1990s alternative grunge movement becoming more massively popular. Yeah. And it was also a period of time where you know you had stars like Kurt Cobain dying. Um, I get I get like a little bit of like the Knight of Cups vibe from Saturn and Pisces, like very romantic, um, but maybe like maybe like reversed, maybe a little bit like melancholic and self destructive. Like
0: that was my card today. That was the card I pulled for my personal tarot card Knight
1: of Cups. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean like. Sat um, to me Saturn and Pisces a great album that perfectly illustrates that Saturn and Pisces moment in the nineteen nineties was Smashing Pumpkins melancholy and in the infinite mm, sadness great album great so so yeah. good but like so sad and so magical like all at once yeah. and um, so I feel like the romantic energies the melancholic romantic it's like contemplative romantic and tragic it's yeah. very Shakespearean. Saturn and Pisces. And um, I think it's going to be a dramatic improvement from Saturn and back-to-back Saturn ruled signs, even though some of these energies are not exactly easy, but Saturn co-present with Neptune for a couple of years too. Like, I just feel like the imaginative, there's nothing to me, there's nothing better than this kind of the potential for melancholy to me, could be um like a balm for a culture that is taking itself way too seriously it's like saturn and pisces reminds you that life is a drama that life is tragic and beautiful and imaginative and it, it places the emphasis on what is real and what is serious as what is romantic and imaginative and so i think we could use that at a time when i think People have gotten too um, fixed on ideology to the point that if ideology isn't paired with imagination, then it becomes fanatical. Even if if a person isn't religious, their ideology politically or culturally or whatever can become religious and fanatical because it just doesn't have enough nuance and metaphor and myth and magic and imagination in it. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like Saturn and Pisces could be a real antidote for some of that. Sort of really extreme, um, dogmatic uh, stuff that's been going on socially and, and sort of civically.
0: Would you also say that the Saturn and Pisces could concretize some of our imaginal realms into reality? Like, because that's what I'm, I'm feeling man. I'm feeling like we're gonna yeah. like see like the vision, like like we've never seen before. Do you know what I mean? Like, whoa, how did that become real? You know, right? Like,
1: okay, so there could be no better example of a false concretization concretization of water than the Avatar sequel that just came out. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) It
1: just happened in the sign, the airy sign of the water pourer. And, you know, it's like, I went and saw it with Sean and we're like, okay, this is so what's his name? James um, Cameron, James Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. There's Terminator robots walking around (laughs) There's a ship sinking like the Titanic. And it's just a reboot of avatar one, but in a water world, it was, there was nothing about it that was actually watery. Yeah. And visually, of course it was beautiful, blah, 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 but it was just, no, this isn't it. And I feel like to your point, When Saturn moves into Pisces, you're going to see things that are much more intensely, emotionally um, felt and imaginative coming into form. Some of those great albums in the 90s, you look at what came out when Saturn was in Pisces, like iconic albums were coming out. And I could go down the list, but I I don't have it handy. I don't have them memorized. But there was I. I made a list of like fifteen albums that were so iconic for the '90s that were most for me were like alternative, like Radiohead, The Bends, and OK Computer, and like stuff like that. That those were are, like those our wow.
0: teen years, man. That's when we yeah. were really like tuned in. and like, oh my yeah. god, this is mind blowing. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I I just think you're right. Like you're there's just um so much so much of what concretizes in Aquarius with Saturn. There is still very rooted in ideas yeah and and images of not images as in imagine imagination but images as in like representations of something
0: sure so and then cons are subsequently then what's pluto gonna do in in aquarius, pluto aquarius <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: well to me pluto in aquarius is like okay and i use this only maybe it, it will happen but i use it more like as a metaphor I feel like we're on the brink of that discovery or realization that life exists outside of earth. Sure. Right. And so to me, one of the coolest things that Pluto and Aquarius could bring would be an expansion of our mind and Mm -hmm. our say our science or religion and culture, because say we come to understand that there is quote unquote alien life forms on another planet, even if they're microbes they discover on a moon of Jupiter or something. I don't really care if it's you know like Independence Day. You know, like, like, <laughs> well, like, I hope I it's not Independence yeah, Day, right? It's like I'm not like looking for I'm not yeah. like a alien the- uh, conspiracy theorist or anything, right. but I just think that Pluto in Aquarius can make us aware of how much vaster and bigger reality in the universe is. Yeah, because you're taking the depths and you're putting it into the sky, and One of the things that I found really interesting when I read Hamlet's Mill, which you actually recommended to me, um, was how much time the author spent clarifying that for the ancients, the underworld was something they conceived of as out in space, Mm -hmm. not directly below the surface of the earth, that the underworld had like a celestial dimension to it. And wouldn't it be interesting if Pluto in Aquarius kind of drove that home to us by making us realize that there are these deep... Uh, regions of of life and meaning in reality that actually exist more like out there and not so much like the the typical metaphors of like down somewhere in a cave. You yeah. know, I just feel like Pluto being under, even for astrologers, for us to get a sense of Pluto being uh, like the river Styx conceptualizes the Milky Way, for example, mm-hmm. like there's so many so much of Hades was actually in space for ancient thinkers, the deep, dark black of night. So to think of the depths as something that's also connected to the sky and outer space to me is one of the most intriguing parts of Pluto going into Aquarius.
0: Well, and how much would that cause us to have a feeling of interconnectedness as a human species if we had that kind of experience with a quote unquote extraterrestrial? I, I think that that's a really interesting perspective. I won't, I won't belabor this too much longer, but I think that the divisions between people are going to get even more broken down potentially, I think, during Pluto and Aquarius with the necessity of coming together as a whole in a communal sense to be able to honestly, for the survival of the species, I think that we're going to really need to kind of pull together to figure out how to continue to move forward as a mm. human community. Mm-hmm. Okay, Adam, do you have two minute, two more minutes for me? Sure. Okay. So as we are apt to do on this channel, we always pull an animal and an I Ching. The animal that we got uh, for today was the woodpecker. So the woodpecker is actually an animal that uh, is a drummer. It, it drums. So we're talking about the, you know, melancholy and the infinite sadness. I remember the drums in that Tonight Tonight song. It's just, oh man, that just- Jimmy I'm, Chamberlain. I'm reliving it as we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so, You know, Woodpecker talks about uh, creating a new rhythm, recognizing when opportunity is knocking, paying attention to the details because they eat those little bugs, but also practicing innovative problem solving because they have to like drum at the dead wood. Uh, they rejuvenate something that was latent on some level. So maybe there's something in the back burner that you've been, you know, putting aside that the woodpecker is saying, hey, maybe it's time to rejuvenate something that you thought was dead and, and breathe new life into it or find the life within it. Um, so returning to your roots. You know, woodpeckers are also very good uh, mothers. They take good care of their family. So that comes in with the Cancerian um, part of this. Uh, There's also an indigenous system of astrology where uh, the woodpecker represented the time period that was related to cancer as well. So I found that as an interesting connection. Um, And then our I Ching that we have is hexagram number 19, which translates to overseeing, approach, oversight, cooperation, the growth of springtime. But it it gave us a really interesting uh, changing line, which was number three. And I'll read this and then I want to get your reaction to this. It says, overseeing with flattery. There is nothing beneficial in this, but if one has to grieve over it, there will be no blame." Um, I feel like this one is talking about making early progress, but not letting that go to your head, like returning back to the, to, the, to the work that we need to do rather than getting, I don't know, maybe too high on your own supply or something like that. What, what do you think about this changing line and how it's changing to the hexagram 11, which is harmony, peace, and smoothly flowing?
1: Um what was the first hexagram overall again?
0: Uh, 19, which is growth, overseeing, approach, like oversight. They talk yeah. about growth of spring with that one.
1: Mm-hmm. And could you read the changing line for me one more time just so I can hear it again? Yeah,
0: it says, overseeing with flattery. There is nothing beneficial in this, but if one has to grieve over it, there will be no blame.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There's something about... Um, I've sometimes heard that one translated, the title of it as Noble Calling. You ever heard that translation?
0: No, no.
1: Um, yeah, there's like if you have to go and ask a wealthy person for money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because you need some capital or you have to apply for a grant or something like that. The way that I've always read that particular line, which is translated differently in the one that I use, but it's the same sure. one is. Um, <laughs> basically, that. Um, if you, if you need to, if you're petitioning for something, let's just call it that, you're petitioning the universe. It doesn't have to be a wealthy person. It's just a, a metaphor. But if you're asking for something or you're hoping for something or you're reaching for something, uh, it's better not to try to persuade, whether it's the universe or a person, to give you what you want by flattery or by some kind of... Um, Falseness,
0: Yeah.
1: But the other thing that's interesting is it kind of, it kind of implies that that might be what we try to do or what is somehow already happening. And that if we recognize that that's what we've done and we sort of have a healthy level of embarrassment about it, even if it's just internally, it'll still be enough to get it done. It's sort of like, if my daughter were to come up to me and ask me for something and I recognize that what she wants is like, a totally legitimate good thing to give her, she deserves it, you know, but she's using flattery or whatever. Um, You know, I might say to her, you don't need to do that. You're just, you can go play with that toy that you want to play with. Like, you know, or you can watch your movie or something like, but you don't need to use the flattery. If that line to me feels like don't try to get something done in a way that is manipulative at all, because you actually already deserve this thing. And mm. um, But if in the process of having done something like this, as long as you kind of recognize like, hey, I shouldn't have gone about it that way, you'll still probably get what you need.
0: That feels a little bit like the Venus Pluto conjunction, and then Venus moving into a malefic enclosure, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it could. <laughs> yeah, I'm really. I just don't know what to think about that malefic enclosure because yeah. I just, I just, when you mentioned it before we started today, was the first time that I realized it was there. I need yeah. to get better at looking for them when I'm doing forecasting because I just, I just don't. I usually look for them when I'm doing horary, but not as much mm-hmm. forecasting. I need to get in like a better habit of doing that. But I'm really curious. I, I feel like. The two things that okay, because like we had a malefic enclosure with Venus and Saturn and Mars in July of 2021, yeah. But Mars and Saturn were opposed to one another, so you had Venus in the midst of like a Mars Saturn opposition enclosed. It did hit a square to Uranus during that time, and when it hit the square to Uranus, I noticed a bit of a loosening. But that was also a really difficult one because it's an opposition. And this one, what's interesting is you have Mars turning direct after Venus hits Mars from a a superior trine. And so like Venus has sort of has the upper hand over Mars and it's like Mars is actually becoming constructively more benefic as it turns. Then they're configured in a trine while Venus is going to a little bit of a nicer Saturn in its own sign. So yeah. I feel like this is probably more constructive and beneficial. And it also has the square to Uranus. So my guess is that this is not like the nastiest malefic enclosure. It's, it looks like a more constructive one somehow.
0: I, I agree 100%. I think that, you know, definitely the trine will help. And I do think that we may f- have see some endings though, with the, with the Venus-Saturn conjunction. Like just the, the ending of something that you needed to let go of uh, yeah, you know, I think that that's something I've been talking about with people is like, you know it's okay to let go. It might be a harmonious parting with Venus and in, in Saturn on some level as well. Okay, friends. Um, just in just one final thought with this hexagram, you know, and and I'll I'll bring up the quote from Johannes Adetakumbo when he was talking about staying present is is the the path to humility. When you are looking at the past, that is that is you being attached to your ego. When you're looking towards the future and having expectations about what you deserve based on what you've done in the past, that's your pride. But in the present moment, uh, is, that's where you find your sense of humility. And I really, I really resonate with that. And that's something that came to mind when I was reading about this line is just staying, staying present um, and returning to the good habits and hard work that got you where you, uh, where you are now today if you're having some success. All right, friends, that's what I've got for you today. Adam this was such a pleasure my friend this was we went in so many different interesting rabbit holes today like thank you so much for joining me (laughs) and for your vulnerability and your stories I I really appreciate that friend
1: oh yeah man for sure it's really fun to talk astrology with you and I hope everyone enjoyed you know listening to our digressions (laughs) I,
0: I think I think we did uh we did well today and I think that um I hope that people will benefit. Uh, That being said, friends, if you are benefiting from this content, go support Adam's Kickstarter. Um, Make sure you make a donation. He's trying to beat the record for last year, and hopefully we'll get to that point. Um, And make sure you like this button, subscribe to the channel, and as always, be kind to one another, especially if you're going through some Venus stuff, and be kind to yourself. It's easier to be kind with other people if you're kind to yourself. So um, that's what I've got. Take care, friends, and we'll see you the next time. Peace.
1: Bye, everyone.